Coming to you from the HagmanReport.com studio. Located in the Keystone State, birthplace of a mighty nation, it's your host, Doug Hagman. And welcome to Hagman. This is the Hagman Report, where truth can't be silenced. HagmanReport.com. That's HagmanReport.com, by the way. I've got no preview monitor. Just saying. Not a, not a problem. Uh, HagmanReport.com is the place to go for all of your audio video needs. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I don't either. Uh, Eric the Tech over there is... is uh, I'm telling you what I, I've never seen it. I've never seen a tech. Okay, this is one Eric the Tech. One guy I missed the click. You missed the click. He's one guy. He's doing the work of like three people, you know. And I'm serious. I'm not blowing smoke up his you know skirt or nothing like that. Uh, the guy works uh, incredible, and I've never seen. Any, he, I, I look at his desk and I see all this, all these buttons, switches, and pretty lights, and I just I want to touch them because I like I, I like that. That's and, why I have that sign. Doug, do not touch. Do Doug, not touch. do not touch. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot that goes into the, you know, flashing up the chirons, the you know, lower thirds, the pre, post, uh, mid editing of the show. So thank you, Eric the Tech. God bless you, my friend. I love you. All right. Uh, and he's also my son-in-law, married to my wife, who I love dearly. And I already threatened him. I, you know, said, hey, you take care of my daughter, right? No, she's a wonderful girl. All right, folks, uh, I want to just jump in here real quick. I want to say thank you so very much. Um, we are getting, uh, okay, so uh, in, the dark of, in the Dark of Night, it is out. It is my book. This book almost never made it to print. There's such a long story. I, should, I could write a book about this book not being uh, sent to print. I had a long, long conversation with Russ Dizdar yesterday. Um, and uh, I didn't mention it last night. I, I just didn't want to mention it. But we had a long conversation about this book. And, uh, folks, if you want to know really what's what's going on in the back end of things with Russ Dizdar, we're not talking about some um, fake, phony, you know, uh, stuff. We're talking about the nitty-gritty fighting uh, human and child sex trafficking, much like the uh, SIIU of uh, the, the team the wonderful team that Russ Dizdar has put together, as well as Craig Sorovitz for Child Rescue. These are boots-on-the-ground people, myself, back in 1987, in which this takes place. And I want to thank you very much for, after reading the book, providing honest reviews on Amazon. That's so important, ladies and gentlemen. That is so important. I want to thank you for that. Um, whether it's the Kindle or the paperback version, if you leave an honest review, that does help the visibility and I'll say this, it's it's pegged at a 4.8, 4.9, I believe it is, um, rating right now, global rating, and that's very good. So it's, there it is right there. I, I can't, what is that, 4.8? 4.9. 4. 4. All right, so that's good. That's good. Um, you want a cookie? I do. Give me a give me a cookie, or as they say in the UK, give me a biscuit. Yeah, Um so I'll test it for COVID before I give it to you. Ah, oh man. You, you know, hey, Rand Paul um, getting a package, of course, on his porch. White powder. What's that all about? Do we know? And, and why? Out of all the people, why Rand Paul? 
Did you say white power? <laughs> you hear what you want to hear. White powder. Oh, powder. Yeah. Now, um, now <laughs> seriously, that's what I thought you said. White power. Uh, uh, no, no. See, this is why we're not on YouTube anymore. Yeah, that's why. Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the, the fight has been engaged. You know, we are in a fight. And um, I, I've got to say this. We are really, really, this is, we're, we're going to go to blows. I can see this. And I want to be serious for a moment um, on this. Oh, I, I didn't finish the story in the books. Uh, the books coming from Hagman Report store got held up in transit. I don't know what that means. Okay. I mean, I, I, you know, from the, from the printer to the publisher to my office. Okay, where I personally sign and send them out at via via Hagman store. Now ninety nine point nine percent have gone out already. Okay, there's a I think there's one. No, there's three. There's three people that I have not sent yet, um, but they will be sent out on on Wednesday. I'm supposed to get the rest of the pallet shipment. Tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. So we'll see what happens. And I, and I believe that to be true based on my tracking. Although I once tracked a package that uh, was about uh, 40 miles from here and ended up being about 400 miles and then came by way of, I don't know, uh, Calgary, Ontario, or Calgary, uh, Canada, and then down through the, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But anyway, so I'm hoping that'll, uh, that'll be the end of it. Well, uh, I had... A charging handle for my AR-15 that came from Texas, came to Pennsylvania, yep. Pittsburgh, which is about two hours from us, went back to stinking Texas, <laughs> and then it came back. Dude, I waited almost a month for a stupid, tiny charging handle <laughs> for my weapon. It, it could so, have been sent in a ring box almost. Yeah, you maybe know? somebody knew what it was and... Uh, anymore you know and you know the united states post office has a covert army of people who are monitoring social networking and, and this is something that um um boy i'll tell you that we, we can get into a big story about this in investigations when we do investigations we investigate for example we will investigate people's social networking um accounts only from the standpoint of looking at them from uh, as the enemy of freedom okay seeing what they're posting and seeing who their friends are mapping out a network and so on so sometimes we have dummy am i allowed to should i have even said that dummy accounts anyway the bottom line is uh the usps is heavily involved in surveillance of social networking um accounts and, and why is that of all agencies why would the United States Postal Service be involved in that specific activity? Just tossing it out there. Hey, discuss in the comments section at Rumble. We're on Rumble and uh, we're on Brighteon. Comment sections on both, Rumble and Brighteon. Talk about this. Have a discussion about it amongst yourselves. And use that comment section uh, for good, 
and, and for informing others, providing links to, to various things. I, I mean, look, folks, we have to stick together because we are. Be- here's what I believe that's going to be taking place. I believe that bloodshed is inevitable. Now, I, you know, again, am I advocating this? No, no, I'm not. But the more I engage with other people, the more I talk with Craig Sawyer, the more I talk with Russ, the more I talk with Steve and people like Ice Age Farmer and others, and even more importantly, the more I talk with people, people like you, people like me, I'm, I'm seeing the situation, a situation developing that mimics so many other times in American history. So I just want to prepare you for some uglies, bumping uglies here. Oh, no, that, that, that has a different meaning, I guess, right? That does have a different meaning. I'm getting, okay. <laughs> bumping uglies. No, it's going to get ugly. Eric, the text over there rolling on, you know. Um, it's going to get ugly and it's going to get bloody. And I think it's probably necessary. I don't, again, I, I wish it wasn't, but you've got these ideological um, stalwarts. They're digging their heels in. It was interesting. I, I was uh, my extended family. And when I say extended family, I, on my side, I don't have any family, okay, basically. I do, but I, I don't know who they are. I could run into them and wouldn't know them. But on my wife's side, her extended family, I'm talking about two removed. She got a call. It was pretty interesting. She's going to smack me upside the head when uh, I tell you this story. But she got a call from uh, someone who uh, create, or who uh, organizes family reunions, okay? And, and the person said, do you want to come to a family reunion? Actually, that was this was to my sister-in-law, my sister-in-law relating the story to my wife. And my sister-in-law said, uh, I don't know, probably not, but tell me. And this man said, well, um, it's going to be on such and such a date. Here's the, here's the date, here's the time and uh, loca- uh, location. And oh, by the way, you've got to, You've got to be vaccinated. Those are his words, not mine, um, in order to attend. And my sister-in-law burst out laughing. And she said, I guess, I ain't, I guess I'm not going to go. And then the, then the man that calls says, well, what do you mean? And she said, what are you, nuts? Uh, first of all, it's none of your business. Second of all, I'm not, I, I would ne- not that aside i would never get the uh the jab and thirdly what the hell what's wrong with you we're going to segregate i mean what is wrong with you okay so i i I, the reason i brought this up is i sense this is taking place all across the united states canada elsewhere where family members are drawing the line you've got to have the jab in order to attend I just, uh, it's, so with that, okay, so (laughs) is that happening to you? 
Have you is have you experienced that in inside your family, nuclear family? Again, discuss in Rumble, Brighty on wherever you'd like. Now, this brings me to my really my uh, uh, point of primary points of two points of order. As I said yesterday, there are two decisive events or two events that will be decisive in terms of how history goes. Number one is going to be absolute, well, proving, I, I would say, with a preponderance of evidence, as a, although uh, beyond a reasonable doubt, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's achievable, but at least a preponderance of evidence that the origins of the SARS-CoV-2, the Chinese uh, Communist Party coronavirus, CCP virus, Wuhan uh, flu, the Wu flu, the China flu, all the things you can't say, for example, on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, I believe the origins will be proved to have, uh, to have come from the Wuhan lab. I think they already have. And the use, undeniable uh, use, is the fact that this was intended as a bioweapon based on the gain-of-function study, which is nothing more than a weaponization of that specific virus. Now, there's a lot of nuts and bolts in there, and I'm just kind of summarizing what a lot of already uh, famous, infamous now uh, medical doctors have said both on and off this show, people like Dr. Sherry Tenpenny and others. Moreover, I believe it's my personal opinion, based on everything I've talk, uh, I've seen, and I've speak I've spoken to doctors off air in uh, in in interviews, who said, "Look, this mRNA um, uh, gene therapy, this genetic therapy, is in fact a um, a weapon in and of itself by itself, and we're going to be see that coming." We're going to be seeing that uh, the fruits of that here with the flu shots, with the boosters, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and the VAERS system, the Vaccine Adverse Events re Reporting System, is also showing a lot, and it's not showing a lot, but it's showing a lot of adverse reaction, both the anaphylactic type, I mean down and out type, uh, deaths and permanent neurological injuries. So there's that. So you, in one corner of the globalist agenda, you've got the creation, the origin of the Wu flu. And then right along with that, you've got the creation, the origin, four companies uh, of the non-vaccine vaccine. All right, that's part one. Part, and, and many people now are starting to wake up to both. And then part two, that will lead to this, in my view, unavoidable bloodshed, is the coup that took place November 3rd and was capped off on January 20th of 2021. It's the cheating. So I've got, more, I've got a lot on this. Now, I would like to play this, if we have it ready, uh, about the first bit, 
because look, I, I, I spoke with Alex Jones back um, last year. I spoke with Owen Schroyer uh, a little bit with um, um, David Knight about the origins of the CCP virus. And to the person, they each said, look, this originated in the bio, uh, the, the, uh, uh, bio lab at Wuhan. Um, it has ties to Chapel Hill by way of Peter Daszak and, and, uh, and another physician. But at the, at the head of the table here is Fauci, who provided, uh, what, $600 million of funding or was provided by way of NIH, uh, or $300 million. I'm not sure of the number. I have to go back and double check. But the fact of the matter is a lot of that money uh, went to Echo Health Alliance and from there into the uh, study creation uh, of the virus itself. Tucker Carlson yesterday came right out and said Fauci lied about the virus origins. You're not going to see this except in a mockery kind of style on the on the news. So if we can play this uh, origin, this was on this was posted on the Sun. Um, seems like you have to go outside of the United States in order to get the news. But uh, if you haven't seen this, and regardless of what you think of Tucker, listen to the message. Here it is. We do know that several other allied foreign governments, including the governments of France and Australia have gathered evidence showing the virus escaped from a Chinese lab. Yet Tony Fauci, who runs the whole thing, didn't know any of this? Come on, of course he knew. Fauci, in fact, has known from the beginning that the virus may well have come from that lab. Many people have known that. But Fauci lied about it for more than a year. Don't press that skip. <laughs> All right, a little extra bonus content there. Um, so there it is, stated without question, stated very assertively. That's number one. And, and um, joining me right now is Randy Taylor. Randy Taylor, how are you, my friend? Apologize for being late. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Computer started updating and I couldn't stop it. No, you know, these things have minds of their own, don't they? Man, do they? It used to be with the old, you know, I'm using the Apple product. With the old Windows thing, I could cut it off in the middle of the update. Then when Apple starts, it's not going to let you. But it's a fine product. That's like, I'll give it that. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, no worries. Uh, what I like to do, you saw that, right? You saw that video? Yes, sir. Okay. What I like to do is Peter Navarro, who I have a lot of respect for, uh, he, he's saying, look, Fauci is going to be exposed and gone within 90 days. I'd like to play this clip kind of piggybacking on the first on Tucker. This gives a little bit more dimension to what is taking place. Can we do that? Let's do that. It's uh, clip one of uh, today's show prep. Navarro. Let's is that you? You got that handy? Yeah, it's the first link. Right. I was talking to. Watch this video before. Uh, hang on a minute. Wait a second. We got something going on here. So, uh, in the meantime, we can just talk about uh, well, this Fauci recipes. Okay. Why not? <laughs> Let's talk about Chinese food recipes. Yeah. Uh, wait a second. Hang some on. Some bat soup. <laughs> yeah, really. 
Okay, here it is. Here it is. Oh, got to ask you, Doctor Navarro. Right. You deal in the world not of comms and how you position things from communication strategies. You deal in the real world of math and numbers. And you, you've known Fauci and engaged with Fauci since the twenty seventh of January of twenty twenty. The whole throwdown you had with him. They're best friends, right? The whole throwdown with him. As you see, what Boris just said when he finally admits in I think it was May May of of twenty twenty one. That, oh, yeah, you know, we should, really should investigate all that. Sir, what do you think about the reality of what happened in Wuhan versus what Tony Fauci knew and when he knew it, sir? Tony Fauci is the father of the virus. It came from that lab. Tony Fauci funded that lab through third parties like Peter Daszak and Ralph Barrick and worked with the bat lady on those experiments. We know that. And Tony Fauci grease the skids for gain of function experimentation which weaponizes virus we know all that but here's the thing here's i want to put this on the record fauci's going to be gone within within 90 days uh, and here's why you and i back wow. in january you and i both knew when we started here in january january, january january 2020 january 2020, 2020 a year we knew yeah, year in ago. january yeah. of 2020 you and i that there was a big potential for a pandemic and that thing likely came from the lab. You and I knew that. Why did we know that? We knew that yeah. because our understanding of the evilness of the Chinese Communist Party and I had written about a possible pandemic in my coming China report 2006. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because Tony Fauci, when that news came out of Tony Fauci, like when he's sitting and he hear, first hears that news, what is he thinking, right? What does he know? Well, he, he knows that that thing likely came from Wuhan Institute of Virology. He knows that. Amen. And why does he know that? Because he knows that he gave money to that lab, and he knows that he paid for the gain-of-function experimentation, and he knows that that experimentation done by the bat lady was designed to design a deadly virus because she thanked him publicly for giving him the money to do it. So here's the thing, Steve. Anthony Fauci knew all of that in January and February, but what did he do? Basically, he positioned himself in 20, yeah. January 20, 2020. Yeah. He knew all of that. He knew that he paid for the lab, yeah. that thing came from the lab, and he had a big responsibility. Did he go out and apologize? No, what he did was position himself as the hero just apologize. of the he whole did, movement. Forget, the, the forget apologizing. Stop. He, he he didn't didn't apologize. I don't care about his stop i don't care about his apology he never informed people and was honest that's with people right. in the administration right. and people exactly. the american people i don't care his yeah. apology means he, nothing to me what him even taking fact. responsibility taking taking what was critical point, to save lives point, for him to come up and be honest my Sir. point Steve, think about is all this the, man is a sociopath he yeah. he like you and i he knew based on his knowledge that that yeah. virus came from the lab in January okay. 2020. We got to bounce. Think about all the broken it. It families. His, his Think about the. All right. By the way, I I stay away from words like sociopath. It's very sometimes I well I found in my experience it's been very expensive to throw those words around. But I I agree with Peter Navarro who said Fauci is a sociopath. Okay, very careful now. I agree with him. He said it. I agree. All right. It's my opinion. All right. So, Randy Taylor, what do you think? I mean, um, I I absolutely agree that he's a sociopath too. Anybody that can be participate in this and be this far removed from humanity, 
is a, by definition a sociopath. He's treating the entire world as his guinea pigs. That's what that's what yeah, we're exactly. doing. This, this, I don't know how the guy sleeps at night. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I, I, I this guy, Fauci, Fauci, yeah, Fauci, he has been caught in so many lies. I don't understand why he's still in the position that he's in. I don't understand at all. You know what really got to me? I just, I am, be, I am befuddled. Okay. And, and I would urge people to really study this. In fact, I've, I'm, I want to do a report and actually a video report about this. But um, back in, the, in 1981, when Fauci was involved in the AIDS HIV AIDS um, epidemic, as they mm-hmm. called it, and then pandemic, as they subsequently referred to it. Fauci pushed AZT, the drug AZT. I, I don't ask me to pronounce what it stands for, but uh, the, it was a cancer drug, and, and it, they found out it was too it was t- it was too bad to be used on cancer patients because it would kill the cancer patients. It, but they pushed it on AIDS. Um, patients, and and uh, Randy Teller, what I what I found too was the fact that HIV and AIDS, there is no direct link between HIV and AIDS. No. Okay. And now, if you people might be hearing this and saying, "Say what? Would you nuts?" But when you look at the evidence and Kerry Mullins who, who the inventor of the PCR test who died in August of 2019 right before uh, he was 74 he died of pneumonia but I find I'll just toss this out there he called Fauci out on this uh, many 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 times with for example Celia Farber who's a friend of Peter Barry Chauka who I met uh, uh, Celia in uh, Washington DC but back in the 80s she exposed Fauci but the, the reason I said all of this is because this man is, is responsible for a huge um, death, death toll. Uh, uh, I mean, an incredible death toll in hiding the fact that the homosexual p- part of the AIDS epidemic, including but not limited to par- poppers, which, which is uh, amyl nitrate, if you were big in the 70s or if you if you understood what was going on in the 70s especially in the homosexual community you would understand that this stuff was used like a uh, a nasal viagra don't even get me started there um but anyway i'm going on tangents here i don't want to get down to but but the real key thing here randy taylor's the fact that fauci his uh, graft and grift and problems go back into uh, what four decades, five decades almost. So anyway, that's just my thought. So we have to ask, but we have to ask the question then: Why? Why? And who has put him up to it? You know, who is he truly answering to? Because well, there's yeah. anything, any anything that has that kind of intent, and and with the AIDS thing, what he and what he's been able to do, and he's trying to pull it off now. He's trying to hide intent behind ignorance so he can go, oh, we didn't know. Um, well, you know, that, that little factor wasn't known at that time. And, and you notice that's what he does today. It's, a, it's an ever-changing thing. And no matter what, he jumps behind that to protect himself. 
Right. He's, he's been doing it. He did it since day one when he walked out there with Donald Trump, with President Trump. You know, the guy, as far as I'm concerned, is unreliable. I think he boldface lies. I think that, honestly, he's probably making a fortune off of these jabs. I, we haven't exposed everything. We're still digging. But there's more to this man than meets the eye. This isn't just some, you know, doctor, uh, some, like a German Nazi doctor that does this for thrills. There's, there's a bigger motive there. Okay, this guy's bought and paid for by the Chinese government, though. That much I can tell you. And, and you know, you we had an off-air conversation. I am not going to even get, get close to the punchline or even address the uh, intricate subject matter, but you had mentioned something to me that um, essentially, folks, uh, what uh, uh, Randy Taylor said, he said, I want you to consider something. And then he gave me the premise, and I thought, huh. No, I'm yeah, not on playing, board. Playing, but yeah, playing but playing devil's advocate. The reason being is because I think that just comes to us naturally as analysts. Right. We have to look at these things, and when things don't jive, when things don't come out right, and and I only Doug, I, I you're you're my best friend, so I can say those things to you. I I, I tell you things I don't tell anybody else. <laughs> things that roll around in the old brain up here that would probably scare the average human being. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, I remember, I remember though being duped. I remember being part of being duped. Yep. yep. I remember supplying being duped by the government, giving them the ammo. And, and I'm going to say because of that is why you and I had that conversation today. And it was that what if conversation and folks, we're going to, I'll put it out here in writing in the next couple of days and we'll discuss it on a show. Maybe we'll talk about it Friday. <clears throat> things don't add up here, even from the bad guy point of view, things aren't adding up. So I'm going to throw a what if out there in the next couple of days. And folks, when you read it, don't say Randy Taylor's lost his mind. Remember, I'm an analyst, and I have to examine all possibilities. And we have to look at the motives. We have to look at the planning, and we have to look at the response and what they would call the projected response. I'll say this. After that conversation, which I, I did kind of think, okay, you've, you you went baddie there, but, yeah, you know, yeah. okay. And I knew However, you would. That's why I came to you. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's all right. I, I mean. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm like, this isn't jiving. This, well, we're, one, missing, we're missing part of the equation, and I'm hoping by digging into something that's even odd, maybe that equation will expose itself. And And, and – Okay, so after we hung up, I, I thought, you know, the, the, the I as much as I thought, nah, he's lost. He's, you know, he's he's off his nut. I thought, wait a second. That's There's, where I hang out with this guy. <laughs> wait a second. Yeah, there is one way. Okay, there's one key element that I didn't that I thought of after our conversation. That I thought, well, okay, if this. If A was true, you know, let's postulate that. No, I'm not going to get into the, but I, I thought, okay, if this could be true, then his premise could very well 
be true as well. Okay, so I'm going to leave it at that. But folks, yeah, you're going to want to stay tuned for it's going to it will upset it will upset your apple cart. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, hey, Doug and I we talk about these things because that's what we do. But when you throw it out there on the air, what we're going to what I'm going to throw out here in the next couple of days and, and in the next show probably will upset the apple cart. It's going to. All I'm going to ask you is please keep an open mind, and I'm not nuts. Okay. Well, I can verify the latter. Um, yeah, but, but please, please keep an open mind because we're digging here. Uh, I don't want to remember sheep can be on both sides of a fence. Yes. Remember that. That's all I'm going to say. And a lot of times human behavior is predictable. More often than not. And think of, and remember that. That's fact. Human behavior is predictable more often than not. And, and yeah, I got to be thinking about the like the Milgram experiments and the Stanford mm-hmm. experiments and stuff like that. Two um, weeks I've been awake at night, Doug, thinking about this. I, I, I've got to tell you, um, when you wake up at three in the morning and you think, "Wait mm-hmm. a second, you know mm-hmm. what I hear like five hours ago?" Okay, hmm. Okay, so yeah, folks. Um, without, I, I don't want to drag this out and, and keep people saying, "Well, tell us already." Uh, we no. will. Okay, he he yeah. will. We will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. It's under. It's underway. Stay tuned. We'll just say that. Okay, and folks, like I said, please keep an open mind. Um, I'm a man that prays a lot, and I've been praying, praying for some guidance. Been praying for some answers. I got to have some answers. We don't know everything, and unless we know exactly what's going on, there's no way we can combat it. That's true, and we—it's very possible we can actually make the wrong move in combat based on yes. flawed analysis. Yes, and right. really, really cost some lives. Yes, yes, and to 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 what you said earlier. Okay, it's amazing. I used a phrase back in, uh, what was it, back in 05, 06, malicious intelligence. It was given to me, okay? Yep. And what they did was they weaponized intelligence long before, you know, even we thought back in the teens now. Um, yep. Or put it put it where we would find it. Yeah, yeah. They would, they, we've caught them before manipulating intelligence. So we would find it and discover it. And somehow it made it more viable to the public. So what I don't want to do is I don't want to be, I don't want to contribute to that again. And, and you know, uh, just very briefly, I'll just, I'll just give you a, a, just a teeny tiny story here. In the, uh, back when I first became an, an investigator and had the shingle, you know, on, on the, on the building, on the side of the building, I had a guy come in, um, uh, a really unidentified guy with a envelope of money. This is at, at when you know five grand was a lot of money and uh dropped on the table and said here you need to do a background check on this person who is actually the governor's nominee for a position on the puc okay which the puc that that position was going to be the the deciding factor for a uh, vote to close one of the nuclear power plants in the state make a long story short i was provided with all sorts of of leads. Hey, talk to this person, this person, this person, this person. Anyway, to make a long story short, um, it was really an easy investigation and everyone was pretty consistent. 
oh, should have rang some bells, right? So typed up the report, essentially handed it in to my client. And all of a sudden, that, that report minus the letterhead, my signature and the letterhead, just essentially the copies of the statements from the, and, and these were notarized statements from people who knew this individual, made it to the floor of the Pennsylvania State House. And uh, it was the day before Thanksgiving on, in 1987. And this guy, who was the Governor uh, Casey's favorite and one of a good friend, ultimately was, uh, he withdrew himself from nomination because of the because of my report, which really made Governor Casey. I mean, he was furious. So for the next month and a half, um, he, he said he, out of the gate, he said, "I'm going to find that sob who created that report," because no one would tell him. So I was running, you know, I was uh, I was sleeping in my car for a while. Um, so th th the reason I said that, okay, and it's a long story and it, it didn't end well. Uh, but, the, but the, the reason I said that, um, and I may, I'm not even sure I shared that with you. I came across the uh, newspaper clippings, um, <laughs> here not too long ago. But the reason I mentioned that is because, you know, getting set up, brother, it ain't fun, right? I no. mean, and, and how, and how many talking heads out there, and you're not one of them. I'm not one of them. I want to ask you how many talking heads out there have never gone through that very painful process where you find a nut and you think you found the answer to everything. And then you find out that nut is a grenade. Yeah. Yep. And that's what you have to be careful of that. That is why you dig, dig and keep digging. And sometimes the most ludicrous thing will come into your head as an analyst but you can't discount it. You have to keep an open mind or you're not doing your job. In our case, our job is to help our brethren. Okay. Our, our Christian conservative brethren out here. What I, and, I, and I'll, I'll reiterate that to you. The folks that know me on the show and know Doug know that we did some things back, back in the day uh, with the, with the counterterrorism that we actually possibly assisted the government in selling a lie possibly we didn't know it we didn't know it at the time yeah we've cut we've covered it i've discussed it i've bared my soul before i'm not going to do it again right i what i don't want is that to ever happen again and, and when we come out and we say something on the show we're not taking on some clown in city hall we're not taking on a governor we're not even taking on the president. We, when we open our mouths and we say things and we share them with you, we're taking on the globalists that are running the world. And we're just, it's just Randy Taylor and Doug Hagman, you know, and a couple people here and there. But we're a very small little group taking on a very big giant. This is, this is, like David and Goliath times a thousand or times a million. And that's why we have to consider everything. We've seen so much that, that I, I, I just, I, I want to be able to sleep at night. That's all I'm going to say. You know, I, I mean, folks think about Michael Hastings. You remember Michael Hastings about to break, break some news and, you know, Michael Hastings, uh, his engine of his car was found, uh, you know, 100 yards away or whatever it was. Um, think about uh, David Crowley, Gray State, who was on this program right before he was murdered. 
And of course, it was murder, suicide. He killed his dog, his wife, his kids. They turned the gun on himself, as the newspaper, you know, stated. Right? We're all I can say is all the things that have been happening. We're real close to something. We're over the target. And I and I honestly think we make people nervous because I I got to tell you I've, I've had more crap thrown at me since this. COVID-19 things come about since we've opened our mouths on it and we researched it, we looked into that. And sometimes we go against, you know, there's a, a huge conservative movement out there and there's a there's a, a certain formula, there's a certain everybody agrees on certain things and all that. And I think in some things we need to actually maybe not be so definitive on a, on a particular line and go, well, this is possible. I know nobody else would agree, and, and they're going to maybe give me some trouble over it, but please consider it. That's right. Because, because if we're not, we're not being fair to ourselves. We're talking about our very survival yep. in this world as Christians and as conservatives. Any chance that we have to save this country Folks, we got to sometimes break the norm, and you're going to have to look at some other things. And you know what? Maybe it's not right, but at least consider it. Check off all the little things, all the little check marks, and then throw it away. Or look at the check marks and go, you know what? These guys, they might have a point here. I know it goes against maybe everything that's being said. Or help us. Please contribute to us. Please, when I say contribute, I'm talking your ideas. Yes. Your, your, I get some very interesting emails from very interesting people. People that when I close the email, I actually have to sit there and go, wow, somebody's put some thought into this. Wow. You know, I never considered that. Wow. And, and that's, that's the only way we're going to get out of this mess. It's, you know, if you're pinned down somewhere and you're, you want out of there, the enemy is all around you and you're taking fire, it isn't necessarily one guy that's going to have the best idea. Sometimes a couple ideas are going to have to be thrown around in there. Yes. And some of them might sound absolutely nuts, but it might get me out of there that day to fight another day. So, and that's the that, thing, and, and that, that's why you get paid the big bucks. Yuck, 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 right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, <laughs> I just, you know, and we're but, but the thing is, the, the, the stuff that we take, the, the, and I'll just say the static and the crap that we take says to me that we're close, we're, we're not far off here, we're, we make people nervous i'd love to know who those people are but they're way up there yeah. they're way up there and they're powerful <laughs> because some of the things that happen it yep. would take a person with power and resources to do that to us uh, you know something that that's a very good point because again i, I you know folks we randy taylor and myself we have discussions about you you, the, if you're watching this right now, yeah. we talk about you, and uh, we know. That, okay, we you, know that you only have 24 hours in a day, like we do, and you, yeah. we know that you you can listen to, um, I don't know, 20 hours of, of of 
show material. You can listen to Bannon. You can you know watch Bannon. You can watch Tucker. You can watch Hannity, Ingram, uh, Levin, and uh, I mean name a person. Alex Jones and uh, look, I love all those people. Okay, yeah. uh, um, but and we're all on the same team. Right, we are. Okay, yeah. but but when you're talking about in working boots on the ground in the field, you know, poking the bear, poking at the bear, um, that's what that's what Randy Taylor does. That's what we do. And when he says, like, you know, interesting things happen at high levels, oh, boy. Um, yeah, without giving any kind of oxygen to the people, whoever it might be who are doing this, I'm saying that they would have to have some um, pretty na- pretty heavy-duty. Um, well, they, they, did, they did it to us way back when, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then we quieted down for a while. We, you know, and then when we started going back in, at the left and at the communism and at the various things that have become very destructive to our government. Trust me, we didn't back out of the business. We just got quiet for a while, regrouped. <laughs> and when we came back, we immediately started getting the same flack. Yes. The same flack. And I'm like, I look at a lot of people that are out there running their gums and this and that, and they don't get the flack. They they just, you know, blah, blah, it's the same thing every day and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? If you poke the bear that Doug just talked about and you poke that bear right, you're going to get a response that's going to tell you that you hit a sensitive area. You're going to get that, ouch, and yeah. you're going to know it. You're going to know it because things happen in your life, personal life, our professional lives, business, everything. Things happen, and you're like, it would only only someone with power, serious power and serious resources, could pick up the phone and go make that guy's life miserable. <laughs> yeah, uh, imagine going into a grocery store with a cart of groceries, and uh, you know having a, a debit card and giving and and let's say the groceries it's three hundred dollars worth of groceries, okay, and <laughs> and uh, you hand them the debit card and they say I'm sorry you only have uh, uh, six dollars in your account, and you checked it before you went in the store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy, I've just seen some. It's just seen some nutty things. Yeah. Since we really started hammering on this, Doug, I just. Yep. And and I, I, you know, you know what I go through. I know what you go through. Yeah. We we compare notes and we're like, this is not just random. You know, someone is going out of their way, legally. And I'm not even going to get into it. Okay. (laughs) We know you're there. We know you're there. We know what you're doing. And you ain't stopping us. You're not going to stop us. And that's the thing. You know, we're not not going to be silenced. And and, and you know what? Yep. Go ahead. I mean, yeah. I'm still still breathing, man. Well, you're not going to stop us. Yeah. I don't know how you're still breathing. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I don't seriously divine I, divine intervention man <laughs> i mean i've seen some things but but hey, i ain't seen nothing like that okay i'm just gonna i'll, I'll shut up now all right uh moving on uh I, because you know what every time we get together we do have a good time in terms of uh turning over the information um i, I want to hit just two more things in new hampshire Things, by the way, with the election of 2020, you got Mike Lindell out there making a whole lot of noise saying, you know what, Donald Trump's going to be in office by August or in August by August. Look, I don't know. Okay, people say Lindell's office office not. You know what? He's not. He's I know the man, um, not personally, personally, but through Brandon House. Um, 
New Hampshire, for example, auditors say vote discrepancies largely caused by ballot fold effect. Okay, this is from the Epic Times. We, we, things are start. It's on your screen right now. Things that the wheels of the leftist bus, the communist coup, are coming off that bus. The wheels are coming off that bus. Things like New Hampshire auditors. Uh, things like what's going on in, in Maricopa County. Things that are going on in Michigan and in Pennsylvania. And you've got your Shakespearean cuckolds within the state legislatures, um, you know, the, in the GOP, trying to shut everyone down and shut everyone up and saying that we're nuts. But I'm going to tell you something. What's going to start out in Georgia or in uh, Maricopa, go to Georgia and then uh, New Hampshire and Pennsylvania. Brother, I'm telling you, we are headed for a massive, a massive, what would you call it? Um, Upset. Upset. Thank you. Upset. Upset. Yeah. Yeah. And I because think about what it's going to do to the system. Right. Right. I mean, if we are able to prove, and I think that I think we have that that the whole thing was was a stage coup. Now, but see, what are we we do then? We we will be in uncharted territory, which is going to make it really interesting. Yep. Because where's the precedence now? This is where, I mean, this is going to be on some high tables. This is going to be, think about this. If if it's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that Donald Trump won the election, I mean, to where even the leftists have to go, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh, what happened? Wow, they have proof. I mean, if, they, if we can do it to that point, what happens now? That's a huge what if, Doug. You know, yesterday I showed a clip of Rachel yeah. Maddow breaking down. I mean, just, just you know, her. He's her, her a, Ra- Rachel is a nice guy, though. He's a nice guy. That's right. Um, <laughs> oh, man, that hurts to even watch that. Uh, but now you've got uh, so many people right now, including Dick Maddow, um, who are going just going ape, you know, uh, over this stuff. If we can. Because we only have about nine minutes, eight minutes left. If we can, let's. Uh, can we go to the two-minute video on the uh, on the second link there? Um, because th- this is about Georgia, and this is from Bannon, and this is from uh, um, what's his name? Um, oh, for crying out loud! You'll see it. Can, can we play that? John Fredericks. I'm sorry, John Fredericks. It's it's a it's a pretty interesting little little piece, and it'll give you the to me it gives you the intensity in which the fight is being waged. We ready? Going everywhere. We said Arizona first, Georgia's next. We're going to Pennsylvania. We're going to Michigan. We're going to Wisconsin. And people should understand, and particularly all the MSNBC producers and CNN producers that watch this show constantly. It's all happening. There's, there's now works in progress in all those. We're going everywhere. New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, and guess what? Good old Nevada, okay? That's just the initial roadshow. We're going everywhere. You cannot go forward as a nation until you get to the bottom of November 3rd. And just to make sure Joy Reid understands this, Joy, write this down. All votes don't count, okay? All votes don't matter. All votes don't count certifiable, legal, verifiable, chain of custody votes of American citizens. All of those count, and all of those must be counted. Okay? And that's where we're going to get to the bottom two. 
bottom off. And we're not talking about new voter integrity. You know, the new scam of the Republican Party. Oh, it's all voter integrity, election integrity. No, 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 no. It's 3 November of our Lord 2020. That's where we're going to get to the bottom to, bottom of. Just like the World Health Organization, all this, oh, have we stopped for the next plague? No. We're going to get to the bottom of Wuhan lab. We're going to get to the bottom of both of those. And once we get to the bottom of them, then the nation and the world can go forward and make progress. Right? The sunlit uplands are in front of us. Now, we've got to go through some turbulence, and we're going to go through some turbulence. That's okay. We lived in turbulent times before, but we're not backing off any of it. The Patriots in Arizona today begin again at the Concord Bridge, the new Concord Bridge that is the convention center out there. The Patriots begin today with, guess what, the forensic, the hand forensic audit, full forensic audit. And guess what? Uh, We're going to start the canvassing. And as Peter Navarro and Steve Bannon say, it's the canvas, not the count. Okay? They stole it on so many different levels, and we're going to show everything they did because that's real democracy. All right. That, that was a shorter of the two clips. Uh, Randy Taylor, your thoughts on this? I mean, he, he, he mentioned he, He's absolutely right because November 3rd was a wound. It was a wound to our republic. And in order for that wound to heal... That wound has to be opened up, examined, and cleaned. That's it. We can't go forward until November third is straightened up. Do you think, and this is a, do you think, Randy Taylor, that if it will, people be held to account for their actions leading up to and including <sighs> November third? That's that's. It almost ha- you have to get some government behind you. What's going to be interesting is if it's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt to where even a, an idiot nipplehead leftist sits there and goes, wow, Donald Trump did win, then we're going to have to physically remove Joe Biden from office. He's going to have to be removed. And the government turned over. I, I don't see any other way. You can't go, oh, wow, Trump, was, he actually was the one elected. Well, hopefully we'll do better in 2024. We can't do that. There won't be a 2024. This has to go back and be fixed. Yep. And, and that's plain and simple. And that will be an upset that the world, th- this is why we're getting so much static from the left on these audits. Because it, ter- you know what it terrifies? It terrifies judges. Yes. We're sitting there watching this going, oh, man, I hope they don't bring this to my court. Yes. Because he has to rule, and if he's a decent person or she, and go, you're absolutely right, they cheated, Donald Trump should be president. Mm. Then Donald Trump should be president. I expect Air Force One to go pick him up, take him to the White House, we'll chalk off six or eight months of Biden, call it a bad day, and let's proceed. The bottom line is, they stole the election, they've been caught and now we all have to just prove it. And that's what's happening. And it's going to, you know what? It could erupt into anything. I'm hoping that it's not violent, but I'm afraid that it may be. And I'll tell you why. I'm worried that the government that's in there now feels like there's such a dictatorship that even if it was proven that Trump should be president, they wouldn't surrender office. And they would bring the military in 
to back themselves up. And right now they're indoctrinating our military to kill us. If you and, figured, and, and listen if you to what figured, he just said. If you haven't figured that one out, okay, and we don't talk about it because, I, listen, I'm ex-military. I, I like to have faith in our military and our leaders. What I'm concerned with is the Secretary of Defense and moron that's there now and then and pushing these racial issues in the military and the fact that a lot of our raw recruits and all the they're not the same people that went in 30, you know, 20 and 30 and 40 years ago. It's a whole different world today. And it has me concerned. It really does. I don't want the military to ever turn on the American citizenry. Okay. But they're being indoctrinated to do it. And the way they're doing it is through racial issues. They're, they're claiming that all the bad guys out there are white and they're supremacist. And they hate everybody that's not white. And that's exactly what they're trying to indoctrinate the military with at this very present moment. Because you can't go to the military and go, okay, we want you to go home and shoot your neighbor (laughs) because we told you to. (laughs) You can't do that. But your neighbor is just short of a Klansman and he's a white supremacist and he wants you because you're black to die. It's a little easier to sell their crap then. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they're being indoctrinated. People don't think that they aren't. They are being indoctrinated. And there's also the, the possibility that if something like that happened, that UN troops would be brought in. Things can happen. It's very fluid. It's been fluid. It's going to continue to be fluid. But I like what Bannon said. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Randy Ray, Taylor. We are analyzing your game, man. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and, and folks, I, w- I want everyone to stay tuned to this show. Randy Taylor. Um, I, I've got to tell you, Randy Taylor's been through a lot in the last couple of months. Months. I was going to say days, but the, the months. And months. It's just gone um, on for months. Yeah. Um, keep him in your prayers. Randy, let's get together. And uh, uh, I need you on for a couple of hours. I really do. So let's let's make it happen. All right. No worries, brother. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your emails. Amen. Randy, we'll talk to you soon. Um, I got to talk to you anyway. So uh, I'll give you a call. Folks, uh, Randy Taylor, uh, send send him an email, randytaylorhagmanreport.com. His email will be in the program description box. Let him know what you think. Um, Good, bad, indifferent. Just don't send them any white powder. All right, folks. And we're right back. You're listening to the Hagman Report right here on the Global Star Radio Network. And welcome back to hour number two. This is the Hagman Report, where truth can't be silenced. We will not be silenced no matter how hard they try. I want to welcome you to, again, to a second hour, vibrant hour, robust hour. If it's Tuesday, it is Tuesdays with Mar- Stan. Not Mari. I'm kidding. Uh, Tuesdays with Stan coming right up here. And uh, Stan, always a crowd pleaser. That's right. And, of course, last week we got, it was so great with Holly kind of chiming in, too. Oh, I, I, I love Stan and Holly. Uh, before we get to Stan, I want to ask you, well, tell you something. Do, do you realize that we're almost halfway through this year, 1979? 
No, 2021. We're almost halfway through this year. And it, we're in May, so there's a lot. You go outside and you see a lot of flowers blooming. Uh, so let me ask you this. Why not see if the bloom is off the rose of your car, your home, your, your, your auto, your home, your, your life insurance, okay? Or home and auto insurance. What do I mean by that? My wife and I, we did a, an insurance um, review because our insurance was up, I, I think it was two weeks ago, and the premiums were just oppressive for our palatial estate here in the kingdom of North, uh, uh, Northeast uh, Pennsylvania. And we said, you know something, there's just something not right with this. Because we have our home and auto attached to one another. Anyway, here's the bottom line. Here's what we did. We went to Policy Genius. Now, we are, we've already done that with our life insurance. And my grandchildren's life insurance. And it worked flawlessly. But, but with home and auto insurance... I'll, I'll tell you something. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance in one place. Because we tried, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, and, and we, we did the phone dance with insurance agents all over town. And it wasn't that fun. But Policy Genius, it makes it easy. They'll do that dance for you. They can help you find home and auto coverage similar to what you have now, but at a lower price. Do you want, you want to know how much we saved? We saved $800. Using Policy Genius, that's $800 a year. Uh, using Policy Genius by combining home and auto insurance. When I say combining, having it all in one place. Um, in fact, Policy Genius, they've saved shoppers up to $1,055 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. And I thought we had a good rate until I went to Policy Genius. And we had an ex now we have an exceptional rate. Getting started is easy. First, head to policygenius.com. That's policygenius.com, all one word. And answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Then Policy Genius takes it from there. They'll cover... Or they'll compare rates from America's top insurers, from Progressive to Allstate, and everyone in between to find your lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. And, and that makes sense. I'm telling you it makes sense. If they find a better rate than what you're paying right now, they'll switch you over for free. They'll, they handle everything. It's, they make it so doggone simple. And when I was a captive agent, okay, places like this, they scared me. Brokers, I mean, they, they scared me because they, you know, my goodness, they could find you a better rate. So here's what you need to do. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. And I will add this, it is important for you to get it right. All right. 
Again, folks, this starting this hour, if you're turning into this hour only, as many people do for Stan, please, um, or thank you for purchasing In the Dark of Night. I, I really appreciate the ratings, the reviews, the honest reviews on Amazon. I really appreciate that. Um, it's both in, available on Kindle and paperback. A lot of blood, sweat, tears went into writing this book. It, uh, uh, if you want to know what... Uh, Craig Sawyer and Russ Dizdar go through and the stuff that we go through. This is the book, I'm telling you. And and after you read it, if you don't if you don't mind doing me a favor, um, give it an honest rating and an honest review at Amazon.com. And please tell your friends, family, uh, acquaintances about this book that's in the dark of night. And I thank you for that. Stan Dale from standale.com. You know, he's got a tremendous book, Cosmic Conspiracy. He wrote that back in the mid-70s. But I got to tell you, you take it off the shelf. It's right over there. I can't get it, but it's right over there. I, I never have it far from me. Fantastic book. In fact, it is right above the um, column where um, Dare to Prepare and Prophetic Perils by Holly Dale is... I love books. As you can tell, I love books. But but he has done such a great job. Holly has done such a great job. If you go to standale.com, folks, you can find the books there, standale.com. In fact, bookmark that website, standale.com. And one more thing, two more things. Number one, he's got a wonderful Patreon channel. Support him on Patreon. Support his work on Patreon. I, I, I just, I, I'm so glad. I, I'm, I'm a part of it. I'm honored to be a part of it. Um, they do a lot of great work for a lot of people. And EMP Shield. Did you know something? I had a situation with my electric. You know, what else is new, right? I was speaking with the electrician that comes to, to my home, and we were talking about actually EMPs. He's, he, he's aware. And he said, you know, I'd like to, one of these days I'd like to talk to that guy that invented the EMP shield because, uh, man, he, he really has, he really understands what's, you know, what's going on. Now, he, obviously the electrician didn't know my relationship with Sandale. And I said, uh, maybe I'll get that chance. And he just looked at me kind of funny, and I thought, How many, next time I see him, which is going to be next week, I'll uh, maybe I'll hook him up with Stan and make his day. But empshield.com slash Hagman. Go there, empshield.com slash Hagman, and get yourself an EMP shield or two or five. Okay, if you use the code Hagman, you get $50 off, plus you get extra money by using um, a, a different code for bulk sales and by bulk I mean more than five five or more but I will tell you this this is something that when a Carrington type event or an EMP by a nasty enemy happens your equipment won't be fried so when the grid does come back up then you'll have your equipment like it was never struck by an EMP and that includes your car your generator your home equipment and everything empshield.com slash Hagman Use Hagman as a promo code for $50 off. And with that, I've taken enough of Stan's time. Stan, thank you so much for holding through that. And the rest of the time is yours, my friend.
Well, thank you. Good to be here again. And uh, thank you for that unpaid commercial for our books and EMP Shields. Appreciate it. Uh, I mean one it. thing I want to correct you on. Um, you said five or more units that you get that discount, but actually it's three or more units. That's, and uh, that's like if you get one for your house, your car, your generator, or your solar, or wind, whatever. Yes. If you get three units like that, then you're going to get an extra 10% off, including you know, your your uh, a code of Hagman. So that's nearly, gosh, $85 a unit off. So just remember that three or more. And most people get three, uh, one for you know house, car, generator. Anyway, enough on. Well, thanks for correcting me on that. I, I keep carrying that. I don't know. For Like for a year, I've had that number five. And I keep carrying that on different notes that I have. So thank you for correcting me on that well it's a uh, for your audience benefit really yeah hey yeah boy the uh the world today <laughs> is certainly on fire isn't it it's your fault why because you wrote about it in 76 77 78 78 well 78 i published it 77 i wrote it so there you go uh, it's a long story anyway, but uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, you know something? I, I, I've been waking up in the middle of the night, like 3, 4 in the morning, and thinking, you know, I've got to check the news. I've got to check to see what's going on because I just got something in my gut telling me the things aren't right. I mean, things, well, obviously things aren't right, but something... I'm waiting for something to happen. I'm waiting to get up, check, you know, to check my news or check the news and having no electricity, <laughs> you know, or something. I don't know. I don't know, brother. It's coming. Something's well, out there. Well, yeah, look, um, we've talked about it a number of times on the show here with you about the condition of the sun worsening this cycle, this solar cycle, uh, and it's certainly uh, you know, proving to be an issue that we need to consider for EMP pulses from CMEs and flares from the sun. Um, we just see on our show images page, I've got a little bit of a shot of that. Um, if you look at the video, Eric, if you could go to slide 38 down to bottom and click onto that video, I've downloaded it so we wouldn't lose it. This is for the last 48 hours yesterday showing the behavior of the sunspots. Uh, and there's two big ones, one coming around. Now watch the shock waves move across the sun. It's, it's a huge impact. There were multiple CMEs and flares. And as it turns like that, you see these shock waves move across from the, that spot. There's another one moving around, not quite as big uh, on the left side. But, uh, yeah, it's it's being very active, like about 12 to 14 CMEs and stuff in the last uh, mm, 60 for, for about, about the last three days anyway. Look at slide 37. It's, it's a big one. Um, and that shows the magnetic fields is, you know, reaching out from the site that threw all these CMEs kind of in our direction. Um, when it gets really bad, it is going to do like you were suggesting, uh, Doug, that uh, you're going to wake up one morning without power because it's fried our grid system and uh, shorted out a lot of stuff. So that's why people need to get, you know, EMP shielding. Uh, and that's, and that's still you're looking at now those white lines coming out are the magnetic field lines and are south lines of that uh, pair of very bright uh, active regions on the sun. The one on the left is approaching us, and it will be here within five days uh, doing its own thing. It's not as big as the one that just released all these flares and CMEs at us, but it's coming around, and we're going to see more and more of these in the next, oh, probably year uh, as the sun turns uh, into this very active you know, hot pot. 
Um, go to slide 39 while we're there. <clears throat> if, if I can interject a question here, because I did receive this by email, and this is from Sandra. And she asked about her vehicle, okay, uh, the EMP shield. And, and this is not a commercial or anything, but she's, she, here's, here's what the exchange went something like this. I'd like to find a, uh, a vehicle that would be EMP proof. My response, uh, why don't you attach, well, why don't you purchase an EMP shield to attach to your vehicle? Then you won't have to worry about it. Your vehicle will work after uh, or you know, absorb the EMP um, strike. She wrote back, I don't have a vehicle yet. I wrote back, why don't you get a vehicle and an EMP shield? She wrote back, I could do that, but I really would like something that doesn't have all the electronic gizmos, a woman after my own heart, Sandra. So here's my question. You got two choices, right? If you have a vehicle, you can put an EMP shield on your vehicle and be safe there. The second question, or the second part of that would be to have a what, pre-85 vehicle? I'd probably go pre-79. Pre-79. Okay, which probably you'd be better off buying the EMP shield and getting a newer vehicle, right? So Yeah, for the cost and maintenance cost. and part. Yeah. Like that. yeah, that's that's becoming problematic. All right. And because, Sandra, uh, you said, I promise I will be listening, and I do expect you, yes, uh, to ask that question. So question asked, answered, and uh, there you go. All right. Continue, sir. Okay. Well, the um, the another thing is that uh, those cars are pre-79. Um, the government did testing on that to see about EMP damage from nukes and things like that, and they found that 90% of the cars uh, in that uh, pre that period didn't have enough electronics on it to even be bothered by an EMP. They might, maybe you know, 10% of them might have damage to uh, the clock on the dash because they didn't have all the electronics we've got now uh, in the in the cars. So about 90% of them they would stop when the EMP hit, but then you turn the ignition key, they'd start up and drive on off. Um, you know, well, in that wouldn't work. I mean, my my yeah. John Denver eight track tape collection would be useless, which would really hack me off. All right, <laughs> you're a character, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my wife says. All right, All right. sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've heard uh, in terms of the vehicles. Okay, all right. So, the, but you know, serious note. I mean, this we could be back to horses and buggies um or we could be smart and have our vehicles protected so okay or both. we've got a few neighbors out where we are because we got we're out in an area where we have uh, acre two acre and five acre plots around homes and uh, we've got a few of them here that raise horses uh, around us and i'm thinking they're probably being pretty smart and that they're going to offer services of transport on horse and buggy around the, the neighborhood and to the stores and back if they're open but anyway yeah It'll, it'll throw us back, way back to that uh, period of time, and there will be looting and all kinds of gang activity when we get to that point. But that's a bit in the future yet. Not right. too far, but a bit. Right. Now, I was looking, uh, Eric, at uh, one last thing here to show you on the sun, slide 39. That's the uh, heliograph, which is uh, from three satellites that are still functioning. They look around the sun. And show us what's happening now and what's coming in the next, you know, uh, 28 days or 14 days, depending on what you're looking at. And these two bright spots, the one on the right 
it's what's facing us now producing all this stuff. And you saw it in the, ma uh, the magnetic line picture. That left group is smaller than this at the moment, but it should be uh, pointing at us there in the middle of, at about zero lat longitude within about five days. And we'll see what happens there. There's another small one forming on what just went around, a very small white spot on the left side of that green picture. And that may grow. We'll keep an eye on it. But this is what I look at to give me a little bit of forecast about what's going to be swinging around in our direction so that we can pay special attention uh, to the sun in that week. Okay. Can you calculate where that will hit based on the rotation of the Earth? What's um, the Earth that will be? Approximately, because sometimes these things shoot off, not straight, but at an angle, either ahead of us or behind us, and we get a glancing blow. Uh -huh. So basically, we have to look at when it occurs, when we, when we see it, then read the space weather or, or you know, NOAA and see what the angle was and where the anticipated strike will be, because you got about a day and a half, two days before it hits us. Um, and in the last month or so, we've had problems with radio uh, reception and broadcasting and with shortwave from the the emanations, electromagnetic waves coming from the suns and these things. So, you know, this is probably the worst kind of EMP that you can have strike the Earth, one of these going, you know, tropo and blasting the planet with this stuff. That lasts for hours, whereas a nuclear bomb up at high altitude producing an EMP strike lasts for millionth of a second or so, and it's done. And so you've only got to have, you know, endurance for that. But with the EMP shield, Tim and I designed that so that it would last many, many times, you know, like 40 times we've tested it with EMP strikes without being damaged. And the reason for that was because we knew we had to deal with solar EMPs, which last hours. And uh, that's, that's a strong surge, you know, like probably 10 to 15, sometimes 20,000 volts along the grid lines. And so we've built it to protect against that. Anyway, that's enough on, on the sun. And let's... Uh, Look at something here a little bit, you know, I think uh, encouraging. Slide 55. Um, Dan Bongino, we listened to it uh, yesterday, I think it was. Um, he uh, He's now taking over for Rush Limbaugh. And you know how President Trump and, and Rush were really, really great friends. And President Trump has not disappeared. He's in the background working, forming a, a way to legally, uh, you know, take his, his spot at the, the White House. Uh, to become the, the president. Um, so we listened to him and uh, on uh, Dan Bongino's show, and uh, it was a very good listen. We, we enjoyed it. And I encourage people to listen to Dan Bongino because um, President Trump will occasionally feed him information to report uh, about what's happening in the background. Uh, we're getting to a point now where, I, in my opinion, let me just say in my opinion, that we could have an organized uh, military-backed coup to remove the people that took over the government of our, our country illegally. And it's legally, you know, we get legal action that the Constitution would support. It's not like a coup in these South American countries where everybody comes in with guns and stuff. Well, that might occur when they're arresting them. But other than that, it's not going to be a widespread uh, revolution or anything in this country. So I'm looking forward to someone standing up there with the military and taking these people out of office. They illegally took the, the, the White House and the government, and they need to be removed and punished for their actions. That's, that's just my opinion, understand? Well, you, you know, I, I missed the uh, Bongino episode of yesterday, but I've got to say this, okay? Uh, Mike Lindell, who's a friend of Brandon House, he's a friend of mine and a friend of the show, um, I've been getting some information. Now, Lindell has said, look, um, um, 
Uh, Donald Trump is going to be back in office August, you know, roughly August. But he's going to be back in office. And it's going to be by way of proof of fraud. And then, and this is what you don't hear, whether you listen to the Bannon or who, what you don't hear, is the military side of things in a, in a reverse coup of what happened in November. Now, my question to you is this, I, and I, I believe that this could have a very happy ending, happy in terms of, well, it, it, making things right. Um, they're going to, my question is this, they're going to have to take out a large segment of the media and social media in order to be effective, or at least take out, I don't know if that's the right word, but but the media has really doubled down, Stan, against uh, you and I against the patriots, against the people who are trying to expose the fraud. I'm just saying that um, because I like what you're saying, and I'm getting the same information from a different angle. Uh, so I'm kind of encouraged by this. I, I, that's all. I just want to say I'm, I'm encouraged, and I think that this can happen. Um, hopefully, bloodless, but who knows? I understand, and um, I had thought that they might have organized uh, this counter coup by you know, this month sometime from what early information that I received was. However, if it's August, that's fine. But we need to, to stop uh, the illegal immigration across our borders. Uh, we need to arrest and detain and then ship out the criminals that have come in. That way we need to restore the police forces in, in major cities, you know, restore funding for them and support for them. We have to have law and order, you know, to, to maintain the uh, republic that we've we've formed here in the United States. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not treasonous to say these things because the the uh, the election was stolen by terrorists. Really, I mean, the the left wing, the, the reformist or whatever they're calling themselves, they are communist inspired. There's no question about it. And we're in the middle of an attack on the United States. Uh, so I, for one, stand up with President Trump and with our military, at least 75 percent of them support President Trump, maybe more. Uh, we need to stop this or we've lost America entirely. We, it's going to take time for him to reverse legislation and things, but, uh, you know, weeks maybe to get things back on track. And, uh, you know, we will have resistance from the communist side. Uh, they will organize their terrorists. And so there will be. Uh, in essence, um, a minor civil war trying to stop Donald Trump from taking the office. Uh, we expect that. And at this point, the resistance, uh, you know, the terrorism that's got our country, it's not going to be as strong once he takes over and, and restores government. But it will be, you know, like scattered skirmishes between them and the right wing supporters, you know, that want to go back to the Constitution. So like the hope he told Holly and I. We will have a multifaceted civil war. It'll, it'll be uh, fights between various religious, financial, uh, political groups, etc., uh, in the country, and uh, that's going to come, regardless of what happens as far as a counter coup. The counter coup may limit the damage that this would do to our country, uh, especially in overseas relations and threats from Russia and China and Iran. Anyway, that's that's enough on that. It's. Um, it's an exciting time, a depressing time, all kinds of time. But um, what was it? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Um, <laughs> Captain yeah. Kurt. But I know he quoted an earlier piece. But anyway, that's, that's my uh, that describes my normal Tuesday. All right. Right. Yeah. We're right there. Um, 
and and on the international scene over in the Middle East, look at slide 52 and just click on that slide and bring up this map of the Middle East. Um, it's showing in the orange when it comes up there. It's showing the um, Islamic nations that are allied against Israel, but they even show Israel with you know some of the Islamic. Uh, um, oh. Uh, no, it's in, it's in the Lebanon. Just see there if you click on that little large thing. You see in the Lebanon, there's a little kind of gray space between all these orange uh, spots. D have you got that map up here, uh, Eric, or not? That's slide 52. There you go. Yeah. And you'll notice uh, that there's a little gray spot right in the middle of all this on the edge of the Mediterranean. That's Israel. And all these other Islamic nations are allied in a confederation against Israel. This is this is just astounding. Um, if you remember back in 2015, I reported on this show. It's in slide 54 now. Go to slide 54. I reported that uh, Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia had organized a military alliance alliance to fight terrorism. Right, and they started out with 34. I think they've now gone to 41 members, and this is a. Uh, this is rather uh, indicative of where the Middle East is going. The Saudis are the big kind of the lion in the Middle East. And you can see there at this time in 2015 what weapons the the coalition had at their disposal, including nuclear in, in Pakistan. There may be more now, but that was what we had in 2015. So I bring this you know to your attention because um, the uh, – the alliance is even trying to get Iran to join them now. Uh, Iran, uh, the religious, you know, dominance in Iran is Shiite Muslim, which are like um, violent. You know, they're they're terrorism terrorism type uh, uh, Islamists. Um, but if there's agreement coming between Saudi Arabia and Iran, which is being negotiated behind the scenes now, then we're going to see these radical Islamic. Uh, terrorists in Iran, supported by a coalition of 41 other member states against Israel. The, 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 the countries, the, their armies are lining up against Israel. And it just astounds me that the populations you saw in that map 52 with all those orange countries highlighted, that they're all allied against this tiny little country, you know, whose population is minuscule compared to theirs. And, you know, it shows you it's a long-seated hatred of the Jews. Uh, and since most of these Arab uh, countries that are listed there are, you know, um, they, they're not, uh, well, they're, they're not totally Jewish, but they are brothers with them. It's the Ishmaelites. And um, this is a war that goes back thousands of years over property. And I can't believe that that little piece of dirt there in Israel is so desired by all these countries, but it is. And this Middle East situation is going to be a catalyst for a major conflagration. And the United States is going to be hit with nukes and invasion, I'm sure, at the time that Russia, Turkey, and some of the others like Iran go to take Israel you know, militarily. When they do, they don't want America to interfere and to continue to defend Israel. So I'd say that in the near future, whether President Trump gets back where he belongs or not, we're going to see an invasion of the United States by Russia and and Chinese and Iranian troops. Uh, we're also going to see the MP strikes across the country, and it will be probably even some um, bio-warfare. 
according to what the Hopis told us, this invasion of the United States will happen when we're having a civil war between you know these various factions, and that kind of strangely, after the invasion of this country and and the attacks on our military and everything else, that the invaders will leave the United States and leave a portion of it for the the survivors to use, which will be in the the uh, Four Corners region and upwards there in Colorado on the Front Range. Now, why they leave, the Hopis didn't know. But I suspect if they're using biowarfare in the major cities in the east and the west, that they will be so contaminated that their armies won't even want to, uh, to stay there because of the exposure they would get to these biotoxins of whatever they are. That's kind of the way I see things from the resources that I've been able to, uh, to uh, access. Um, and, and meanwhile, like you said last week, the invading forces against Israel will be held back not by man necessarily, but by, but by God, perhaps using man or God, the hand of God, right? Yeah, I don't know whether the Israelis have the technology to cause the fire to destroy these invading armies like Holly talks about in Prophetic Perils. She lists them by their current names. But whether it's an Israeli defense mechanism or whether God you know, supplies a fiery you know, storm or whatever it is to, to consume these armies as they approach Israel, uh, or actually even touch foot there, whatever it is, uh, it's going to uh, so damage these armies that they will retreat with their tail between their legs and leave Israel alone for a while until the Gog, uh, Magog, or spoken of, or Turkey and Russia and the rest come down. Um, I know that the Israelis have a lot of nuclear weapons, and they may not be just nuclear bombs. They may they'd be tactical nuclear shells. Uh, there may be some other way to produce the fire, but whatever. Uh, God has enabled a protection uh, for Israel, the country, from these invading armies. But the nation of Israel, the, the tribes of Israel, are um, different than those that are in charge of Israel. And they are still stiff-necked about uh, accepting Jesus as their Messiah. So for their help, their protection, I'm sure that's why uh, the Lord will protect Israel, the country, to you know protect his remnant. Anyway, it's... We just have to watch the news and see what's happening. There's, on top of all that, as I've discussed many times, um, this uh, solution to the Middle East problem, to the threat of global nuclear war, has to be something from some group that can stop nuclear war, you know, at the push of a button or whatever, so that there can't be a, a global nuclear war. And that suggests, you know, um, quote-unquote alien or follow-on technology with flying saucers and, and the attendant technology. And you'll notice as each week passes now, more and more information is coming out about what has been suppressed by the governments of the world about the UFO situation, about the uh, quote-unquote aliens or amongst us, that kind of stuff. And so the fact that they're now coming, you know, mainstream news stories and more of them tells me that we're getting close to the time when their presence will have to be officially recognized at the time when the world needs to have someone, some groups with enough power to stop nuclear war. And if you look at many of the reports of the UFOs flying over British and American nuclear facilities, they have been able to stop our missiles, to de-arm them, just by flying over and doing something to, to freeze the controls so they couldn't launch the missiles. So with that kind of technology, you can see how you know Satan and his minions can take over the planet simply by the people of the world, saying, look, can you help us? Can you stop this stuff? And uh, we, we, as a people of the planet, will 
ask for that. And uh, those who are Christians and read prophecy and understand, we are warned by Jesus, don't be fooled by this first lot. Uh, they will say, come see us, you know, or the leader of us in this secret place or in the desert or whatever. He was saying that in Matthew. But um, he's, he's warning you against the first wave of super beings being from Satan and not him. Um, and, you know, what, in 1978 when I wrote about this, the cosmic conspiracy, I was way ahead of the curve. And, uh, you know, um, people, the Christian people thought, no, you're, you're a bit out there. That's, that's kind of crazy. I even talked with Hal Lindsey and his producer at that time and said, look, guys, here's what's happening. And they said, oh, that's, that might be, but it's such a controversial thing. We'll leave that for now. But now they've come to the party in the last few years, and, and the many other evangelical uh, organizations have been saying, yeah, okay, this false Messiah business, this UFO thing is coming to pass. And they suddenly realized what the Lord showed me in 1978. Anyway, that's... Yeah, not meant to be a commercial, that's just the way it is. Uh, slide 46, uh, last week worth of uh, earthquakes. Um, that's about average at the moment, uh, the numbers and the sizes of them. I'm watching particularly what happens over in uh, the West Coast uh, in that big ring that's always been there going up uh, uh, in through Nevada and up and around through Washington and back down to California. Uh, but now then, if you look in slide uh 47, there were a couple of clusters in California, 54 earthquakes at a place called the Geysers. Uh, and it's not on the main San Andreas fault line, but certainly it's indicating that there's some kind of stress relieving uh, in the Geysers, California, kind of to the east slightly of the San Andreas fault line and from the coastal shelf there. Now in slide 50, uh, or sorry, slide 48, slide 48, this is a pneumatic quakes in the last seven days. They're not huge. But they are uh, you know, showing stresses relieving along that red uh, area that, uh, you know, uh, the USGS uh, says there's potential for large earthquakes in that red zone. That arrow points up to the ones that have occurred in the last week. So keep an eye on, on the new matters as well as West Coast and California. Both things are kind of going away. And on a political issue, there's many things to talk about here. On a political issue. Um, in slide 43, there are a number of counties uh, in uh, Oregon that have said we would like to secede and join uh, Idaho. And you can see if you go to the, the, the link there, there's the map showing these, um, these counties in Oregon that want to get over to Idaho. I think there was one that was not joined to these that wanted to secede, but uh, it, it uh, didn't actually touch the border of those that wanted to go over to Idaho. Some in California even wanted to join that. You can see where that map goes. And that's getting pretty serious when the people of these counties say, look, we, we don't want to be part of Oregon or California. You know, or, uh, they're going the wrong way. We want to join Idaho. That's a better idea and a fair idea about how to run uh, their state. And uh, this just shows you that we're fragmenting. You know, people are unhappy and want to do something about it. It tells me we're getting very close to the time where if we're going to have a counter coup, it must be soon to avoid all the problems that would come with people seceding from the United States. Uh, Texas could do it. It's a republic. It still has the right to secede from the, the United States. But uh, anyway, it's, it's very unstable out there. Did you see this week, did you get emails about Ron Wyatt's deathbed confession of finding the Ark of the Covenant? Uh, no. 
Short answer, no. Okay. Well, I knew Ron. In fact, um, when he was in the Middle East uh, looking for the real Mount Sinai, which he did find, and, and certainly what he found was uh, Jabal Allah's uh, just southern Jordan, uh, northwest uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, it's uh, Jabal, J-A-B-L, and then A-L, and then L-A-W-Z. And uh, I'm convinced that that was where Mount Sinai was in the Bible. It's not on the Sinai Peninsula at all. So he needed a map, a detailed military map, which I had access to in Australia at the time uh, by going to the uh, West Australia uh, uh, University to their map room. And the United States had sent men into that uh, particular library there a couple years before to remove all military maps and things that uh, of the United States and various places where they operated from the library. They confiscated them. But the librarian there at the West Australian University had hidden some away, you know, that they didn't get. And I don't know how the good Lord convinced him to show me that, but he said, look, I've got this if you want to copy this, which I did. And it was a, a military map showing your wadis, water support, the supplies, and various other key in information that military would like to have. But it showed from the Sinai Peninsula, part of uh, the uh, west coast of the Red Sea, and down into Saudi Arabia. And it's what Ron needed to navigate in those areas. And so I sent him the map so that he could, you know, continue to explore in the places he needed to, to prove biblical exodus. Now, I'm not sure that he and I agree. I, I can't remember now, but I think he said that the uh, exodus crossing of the Red Sea occurred in the Gulf of Aqaba, uh, you know, between Sinai and uh, Saudi Arabia. My information that I've studied from that same map and other uh, data is that the Red Sea, that the the crossing of the Red Sea occurred over in the Suez Canal area. And I've discussed this many times and showed, you know, how many days it took to get to the bitter water ponds and all that kind of stuff and the, the miracle of turning the salt water there into fresh water and how those happen. But other than that, um, I was I was quite, uh, you know, in agreement with Ron's uh, discovery of the um, where the exodus started, where they, they uh, uh, gathered the tribes together and where the... the, uh, the uh, Ten Commandments were given to um, Moses on the, the top of Jabal Allah's. Uh, you can you can read the transcript of what uh, he said on his deathbed confession, they say. Um, uh, in his later life, he was uh, a bit ill uh, when I saw him last in Australia. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, whether what he said on his deathbed was totally uh, correct or what he wanted it to be. But he said... And he called me when this was happening. He said he went to Jerusalem to uh, a place just out, outside the old city walls where it's called, you know, it's close to the to the uh, the garden tomb that was given to bury Jesus in. But it was a place, Golgotha Hill, where they crucified people. And you can, you can see, um, uh, let's see here in slide 50, click on slide 50. And I'll talk about that here. Uh, he was excavating. He got permission to excavate what's called Golgotha or Skull Rock. Um, if you click on that slide, you'll see a picture of the, the garden tomb. And then uh, that's in the green area at the bottom map there. Just scoot down to the bottom now. That, that, yeah, there you go. That green area is where the garden tomb uh, was, where he was buried. And then you see in the blue, the skull face, place of skull, Golgotha. That's what you know, uh, we'll, we'll look at here in a second. So you can see that where the crucifixion occurred and where the garden tomb is are very close. 
And on top of Golgotha Hill, you can see crosses, you know, burial things that have been done there to this date. It's a place of death, you know, a burial. And if you just go back over to slide 51. Okay, slide 51. Now, I've been to this place. Okay. Uh, I didn't go inside. Uh, he had permission to do so. And he, when he was inside Golgotha, and if you go to that slide 51 and, and look at the pictures there, I'm just clicking on that myself. Um, this is what, if you look at the two eyes there, the two big eyes and a skull shape, that's why they call it a skull rocket, because it looked like the face of a man with kind of a bald head. And um, if you slide down and look at the next picture, you can see those graves and markers and things up on top of that. You see that? It's, it's at the very top of the picture. You can see that. And you can also see the buses in the, the loop around. It's a, a bus station there. Um, and the, the slide, the last slide down there shows you a better accent with the sun on it, showing that look of the skull looking down onto that terminus there. Now, uh, after he'd uh, gone into the, uh, the cave there and, and found this place where he said he, that there was a crack that led up to the surface there where the, the, the graves are and where the, where the cross used to be, he said he found a crack that allowed the blood of Jesus that dropped onto the ground to seep down into the inside of this. Now, he said he found the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat in between the two cherubim there, and that the blood dripped down onto the, the top of that. Now, I, I wasn't sure about whether that was correct, but I listened, and he said, look, I can see through this crack. You know, I'm standing on one side, he said, I can see the Ark of the Covenant. You know, the, the, the from this distance, he said, I want to put a camera, uh, you know, one of those things with a, a long, uh, like line or like a lens that you can push on a wire through the thing to look at it in more detail. But he said, "I'm afraid to open up this to, to dig into that because if that is the Ark of the Covenant, he said, it, you know, I'll probably die." And in his deathbed testimony, he says that there were uh, six people in uh, white, six men in white uh, clothing that came in at one time that, that he was exploring this. They said, you know, you can't be here anymore, get out. He went back and found they were all dead. Now, this is kind of flaky information, but what he asked me was, when he was looking at that, when there was nobody there but him, he said, um, how do I protect myself against the death from the Ark of the Covenant? And we talked at length about how to run a ground wire into a ground outside to ground the electromagnetic or high voltage that would appear uh, like it did to, to zap various people and touch the Ark of the Covenant when they shouldn't have. So we, you know, that was a long time before he died, and uh, so I find that that's probably, you know, real time of what he was doing and saying, and uh, the stuff that came out in the testimony at his death. I don't know whether that's, you know, been added by, you know, him or not, um, but I do think that there was something to that skull rock uh, that uh, needs to be investigated. Anyway, that was that was. I find this extremely fascinating, but let, let's assume this to be one hundred percent accurate, if you don't mind. What would, what would be the larger implications of this, if given that the yeah that this is one hundred percent accurate, everything is exactly what it says, um, what he said, and that's where it's at. So, what what are the larger implications here? If that is correct. Um, I'm pretty sure the Department of Antiquities already have removed the Ark of the Covenant from there and put it somewhere for safekeeping because the Ark of the Covenant, when it's restored to Israel, uh, uh, should recon reconstruct or reconstitute the tabernacle of the wilderness with the 
the uh, you know brass rings and, and gold uh, and various things and the 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 material that surrounded the uh, the whole uh, holy of holies place uh, they should re reconstitute to their original form and uh, this might explain how Israel can rebuild the temple very quickly in the in, in the coming tribulation period because they could put that down by the wailing wall and you know presto you know when they open up the Ark of the Covenant stuff, all, all the things would reconstitute, and they would have the temple, the tabernacle of the wilderness that uh, Moses had long before Solomon built the temple. Uh, so it's it would establish ownership, you know, positively to Israel for that uh, Mount Moriah for or for the temple mount and, and the surrounding area for Israel for that matter. So it's very important to have the Ark of the Covenant, the Arab Kodesh, um, but um, is it there in Golgotha or is it underneath? There's some evidence it's underneath the Temple Mount in an area that's sealed off by on one side a 20-ton rock down underneath there uh, behind the Wailing Wall. Uh, I have seen the gate to that inside when I went inside the behind the, the uh, Wailing Wall. <coughs> Excuse me. So wherever it's located, the Ark of the Covenant and the remains of the Temple in the Wilderness and what's in the Ark of the Covenant is very important. One of the things that's been that's in the Ark of the Covenant, according to the history, is that the original fragments of the um, Ten Commandments that God cut out of the rock uh, and gave to Moses to give to the, you know, the, the house of Israel. If you remember the story, when Moses came down after 40 days and nights on the mountain that was burning at the top, his face glowed so brightly he had to cover his face with a hood and his hands and stuff so as not to frighten the people. And he stood up on a, a, a ledge uh, several stories above the congregation of Israel was gathered there. And he said, look, while I was gone up talking to God, you guys uh, built a golden calf and, and really went weird and, and backslid. He said, because you've done this, you don't deserve what God gave me in these tablets. And he held one up in each hand like that and threw them down toward them and they broke into pieces. Now, rabbinic uh, legend says that when he did that, that the characters that were engraved in the stone sprang from the stone and danced in the air like a holograph would do, and then disappeared, and the pieces of stone were blank. Now, again, that's legend, but why would he put the, the uh, fragments there unless there were a way at, at uh, some future time for God to join the fragments again uh, together and show the Ten Commandments? Now, as a result, Moses went and carved his own Ten Commandments. Now, the original Ten Commandments on those stones with the, the letters dancing in the air and disappearing, sounds like holographic technology. And that means that there would have been huge amounts of information stored in those stones that Israel could have had had they not gone bad. You know, had, had they followed what uh, Moses was telling them. So if that's the case, and these are reconstituted at some point in time, we'll see so much information and proof that it would be unimaginable that's in those stone tablets. And they are in the Ark of the Covenant, plus Aaron's rod and uh, a sample of manna, the food they ate in the wilderness. Now, to that to that story, I, I watched a, a video this weekend, and it was about the Moses controversy. You can see that in slides 40, 41, 42. It's a very well done and illustrated uh, scientific look at the proof for Moses and when the Exodus occurred. Now, it does not deny that Moses existed. It does not deny that the Exodus occurred. It is only saying, did the Exodus occur 
1450 BC, uh, which you can slide, see in slide 41 and 42, or did it occur earlier uh, in the reign of uh, a, uh, an Egyptian pharaoh called Amenhotep, something like that, the third. Okay. Uh, I'll click on the picture and see if I can pronounce it better. Amen, Amen, let's see, Amenemhat the third. And that's when Joseph arrived, and that was the pharaoh that he served under, and then there was a 400-year period. This and isn't Amenhotep? No. Now, this is, is a different No, it's another guy, the three of them, in fact. Um, an interesting uh, side thought on this, when I was watching this video and, and uh, snapping from its screen, I remembered that um, in the Egyptian uh, culture, that Moshe, Moses, uh, like Tutmosis the, the pharaoh, it meant he was pulled forth from the water and became a pharaoh, Tutmosis. So when his mother, when Moses' mother named him Moshe, Moses, it was like naming him in, in, uh, in essence, like a, a pharaoh that was brought out of the water. And you know the legend where Moses was brought out of the water in that little reed basket by Pharaoh's daughter. Um, it, it just a, a side thought that uh, thought, yeah, Tutmosis and uh, all these uh, Egyptian uh, pharaohs played an important part in locating when the Exodus occurred. Now, tell you in advance, it's it's not light reading or light viewing in this Moses controversy because. It goes showing a number of things to prove when the exodus occurred and uh, the language, etc. Now, what I found in this was that Hebrew, even ancient Hebrew, was not in existence at the time of the, mo of the exodus at 1450 BC. So, how could the, the tablets, the commandments have been written in Hebrew? What were they written in by God? So, there's what they call a proto-Sinaic uh, script, which was pre ancient Hebrew, and they found that, uh, this Proto-Hebrew, over at, uh, in Saudi Arabia, where um, uh, Ron Wyatt located the, the real Mount Sinai. They found it inscribed on some rocks and stuff, which I've got in slide 44. You can see the pictures of this Proto-Hebrew. Um, it's certainly not as, as clean cut as, uh, uh, you know, the pre-Hebrew or early Hebrew Semitic script. But you can see that in slide 45, uh, that this was the, the antecedent of um, modern Hebrew. Now, this is interesting because wherever modern Hebrew came from, wherever Proto-Hebrew came from, it was so designed to allow the, the cultures using it to progress and store information and share it much more rapidly than hieroglyphs. Because hieroglyphs were reserved only for the ruling class, um, like sages and scribes and stuff that, that knew the secret language of hieroglyphs. So the common people couldn't know these things without a common language that uh, came out of it. All of the modern languages, let's say Phoenician, uh, Greek, uh, Western languages like English, uh, Italian, uh, Spanish, all these came from the ancient Proto-Hebrew script. Now, if God did that so that the word could be shared, you can see why it was so important to locate this, you know, where this um, stuff came from. Now, it, it's designed by genius. There's no question about it. The, the Hebrew alphabet, alphabet uh, is designed very well to allow thoughts to be conveyed in a manner that would you know, preserve what they were, they were writing about you know, and accurately give that to us in later days. Uh, so it's important, in my opinion, to continue to find the pharaoh of the, the, the exodus, 
the Pharaoh of jo uh, Joseph is that that one that there that I couldn't pronounce his name in slide 42 that Amen Amen Hat the third. Uh, that's when Joseph would have come and the famines and stuff. And so there there are archaeologists and historians trying to determine when the great famines occurred because there were several of them in Egyptian history, and in one of those is when the um, Joseph and, and his brothers and sisters, his father's family, were ruling uh, number two power to the Pharaoh in Egypt. And then 400 years passed, and in the uh, red sections there, that's when the exodus occurred. So it might have occurred back, you know, gosh, like, uh, let's see, where is it? There, there's, instead of 1450, it might have been like in the 1800s BC. Um, so this is something that needs to be resolved. And this guy that made the video is continuing his investigation. And it's not just um, him interviewing people that agree with him. He interviews uh, three uh, scholars uh, who are, are well accepted in the uh, archaeological community and say, what do you think about this, this Hebrew situation? And when, did it, when was the language formed and where did it occur? Now, I don't think it's conclusive enough yet, but it's a, a good source to lead us to study um, you know, the origin of the Exodus and the, the language that was used in the, the Ten Commandments. Now, if it was the um, proto-Semitic uh, language that uh, Moses used, it would have taken a lot more space to write it, but it was certainly a departure from, you know, hieroglyphs and things like that. And he had 40 years there, at least, in the, in the wanderings to write these scrolls down. Um, another study that I can't remember the name, I've got it here on my shelf, of one of these antique... Uh, British archaeological magazines, uh, a, a long dissertation that was given by a British archaeologist in the Sinai Peninsula. He found an interesting thing in the ancient Hebrew, uh, uh, you know, that we have for the the, uh, the Torah, the first five books. He found that they were divided in, in the Genesis account into 65 line stanzas, whereas, and it was like some of the um, the Chaldean or Babylonian cuneiform uh, tablets, clay tablets. The standard was 65 lines, although there were other forms of uh, cuneiform that were shorter or longer lines, but 65 lines and the 65th line of a story uh, on a cuneiform script would be the first line of the next page in the story. They didn't use page numbers, they used repeat lines, you know, catchphrases. And he found that, like in the, the story of Abraham, it says at the end of it, and this is a generation of Abraham. And then the next line said something similar uh, to, to link it to the next Babylonian clay tablet. Now, if he is correct in this, then Moses had access to clay tablets from Babylon. Ah, well, uh, you know, or Chaldean or Sumerian, whatever. He was uh, in the, the royal household in Egypt before he you know, came leading the Exodus. So he would have had a chance to study, you know, um, things in the library there and uh, to learn about the ancient languages. Now, you may have carried some of that with him to write the history in the Genesis account, because it, it looks like it came from these 65 line stanzas from ancient, uh, you know, clay tablets in the Sumerian Valley. Um, so that would say, okay, that uh, he, he, uh, he wrote the first part uh, of Genesis, blah, 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 based on these. Uh, not a problem, because, you know, uh, in essence, God gave him the opportunity to learn these things and to share it with us in the historical records. Again, very interesting things. If I can find that ancient writing that I've got here somewhere, I will post it or talk about it next week. 
because it's it leads us to think about what happened at the Exodus. Did ancient Hebrew, now this is the proto stuff that we're talking about, did ancient Hebrew itself get given to Moses on the mount and uh, when he was up there for 40 days and nights? Uh, was he implanted with this new language? Because as I say, it is a, a miraculous, it's the work of a genius describing this script. And uh, so did Moses get that implanted so that he then turned around and taught that to the judges he appointed over Israel later uh, so that they could write it in Hebrew? So it's going to be interesting to see when they get the Ark of the Covenant out, what's written on the stones, if anything, what language is used. Um, but anyway, it's it's one of those things just that so, I've spent time on. All right, j just so I'm clear, um, now this goes back to me in a long time. Um, I, I believe Hebrew has like four iterations, and I could be wrong, but you're talking about biblical or classic biblical Hebrew, right? The, right. Okay. So that would make sense, that conversion. Okay, so what you just said makes sense to me. I'm just trying to really kind of formulate this because God would want this to be available for everyone. And what you said, you know, was this, what was written, would it be Would it be the introduction to biblical Hebrew, I guess, is, is a way of saying That's it. what I'm thinking. I mean, look at, look at this language. Um, it allowed the gospel in the Old Testament to be spread throughout the world because it is the basis for not only Hebrew, but Phoenician after that, and then Greek after that. Yeah. You know, the Greek, very specific language. Alexander the Great informed, you know, formed Koine Greek based on the Phoenician script, based on the Hebrew script, which went out into the nations. Um, the Cyrillic, uh, you know, Russian is a little bit of a departure from that, but not much. Um, so, without this, the spread of the Word of God would have been very difficult and fragmented, and not everyone would be able to read it, not even the common man. So, you know, this was a very important development in wow. you know, God's witness to the people of Earth. Very important. Amen to that, and thank you for that in-depth explanation and connecting the dots. That that's something. My goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, well, I thought that it was important enough to, to share that with you. As I say, I'll try to find the, the book from the 1800s. It was written by the British archaeologist in the Sinai Peninsula because he found things, you know, he found uh, bushes that produce a sweet type fruit or like foam that falls to the ground and is dead in one day, which could have been the manna bush. Uh, you know, he... Uh, you know, there were things like this he found that fit with the tale of the Exodus about where they went and how they were fed and that kind of stuff. So quite important. And I, I will look that up because it's when I read it, I was absolutely just astounded at what he'd found there. Wow. Man. You, you know, this, folks, this is why you need to uh, support Stan and Holly Dale on Patreon because this is the type of information you can get in depth at that at that level. So thank you for that. Uh, we only have we only have a minute, Stan. Um, sure. Well, um, I guess what I want to say is pay attention to Israel and to the Jewish community because they are they are being persecuted. As uh, slide fifty six, there's a, a link to a video there. Um, the persecution of, of the Jews is widespread and growing now based upon the Palestinian issue and uh, other hatreds that are forming. So support Israel. 
support the, the Jewish nation and uh, the Jews in your neighborhood and uh, your Jewish friends. Um, the persecution is real, and there's no reason for it. Um, so, yeah. Amen. That's the last thing on that. Stan, thank you so very much. This was really um, an intense hour, and I really appreciate everything that you have given us, uh, you and Holly. And uh, Holly, I know you can hear me. Hi. Love you. She's Love waving hi. Love you, too. All right. God bless okay. you, my friend. God bless you. All right, folks, that'll do it for us. Hagman Report, HagmanReport.com. Uh, on behalf of Eric the Tech, Randy Taylor, myself, my family, may God bless each and every one of you. Good night.